0: what if I told everybody to get back up and greet your neighbor? I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. You can just give them a nod. Turn to your neighbor and give them a nod. Give them a nod. So here's the question this morning. Here's the question we must ask. Do rich, do rich folks go to heaven? Well, many of you would say, well, of course. You know, I hope so. Some would say, No. I don't, I don't think that's a minority. Uh, many of you know this. It's one of those things when we come to a passage that's so well known, especially if you've kind of been someone who's been a Bible student through the years and you've really tried to read the Bible and for all it's worth and inevitably, but uh, you come across this story and maybe you've come across this story or this encounter. I say it's not just a story. It's the telling of an encounter that Jesus had. Uh, with the rich young ruler and what that means. And you know, it's, it's super challenging because it was, um, I think it's the most well-remembered encounter that he has with those that aren't in the inner circle. Uh, and most people know about the rich young ruler and uh, they, they don't come. If they know they're <laughs> if I'm gonna preach on the rich young ruler, why? It freaks them out. This story freaks people out. It feels like, ah, what what does this mean for salvation? One of the things I hope you're starting to get as we really take a systematic walk through the Gospel of Luke, that when you are looking at at the Gospel and you are trying to, the Gospel works through like water, if you will, and there are different refractions and it just comes out in all these different ways and you can see different facets of the Gospel. But it's, it always comes back to one central truth. And again, we're going to see that played over and over and over in the good news, in the teaching of Jesus, the applications are numerous. And here again is an application of the essence of the gospel. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this morning. Uh, Lord, help me, help us get through this. Lord, speak to us in ways that we can understand and, and then apply this how would we apply this both in our own personal lives but also in the sharing of the gospel uh, that we don't uh, we don't take missteps and that maybe there's someone watching here this morning and and they just don't understand it. It, it you can hear it over and over and over and yet there it just doesn't penetrate i'm praying that for some and within the sound of my voice today that this would penetrate uh, in a in a way that maybe it never has And it's only your spirit that can do that. Uh, Roasted with fire was how they were told to eat the flesh of the lamb. And we know uh, in Exodus 12, and we know that when we eat your flesh, which is what you told us to do, we're trying to eat everything you said, but we need it to be roasted with fire and not broiled. Lord, we need your Holy Spirit to guide us today. Thank you in advance for... In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's read this encounter, Luke chapter 18. We're going to start in verse 18, the rich young ruler. A ruler questioned Jesus, a ruler questioned him and said, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Let me just pause here for a second. Please understand that this is a great question to ask. (laughs) This must be a question, I I can't imagine a more important question to be asked. Many of you may not even believe in God or think that you believe in God, but uh, many of you obviously do. And then the next question should be, if I do believe in God and, and now I'm believing into Jesus as at least a teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? It's a great question. It's not a poor question except for the way in which he phrased it, and we'll look at that in a minute. And Jesus said, well, first of all, why do you call me good? No one's good except God alone. Now, many have taken that passage to mean that Jesus clearly wasn't claiming to be God. That's not what Jesus was claiming or not claiming in this passage. It just he he recognizes that this ruler clearly does not see him as God. And so, why do you thinking that I am just a teacher call me good? No man is good. And then he says something incredibly profound which is also quite difficult to understand because he begins to give him a list of the commandments. Now the first question that arise well is this how you get to Heaven? Is it you obey all the commandments? If the, 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 the man on the street out there, he feels that way. I mean, we could go out there and, well, how do you think you get to Heaven? Well, you know, the Bible has a bunch of rules, and if you can, I guess at least if you're up high enough on the bell curve, you'll be all right. Follow the rules, follow the rules. And of course, if you, if you know the Gospel and its core, you'd say, no, 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 that is not how you inherit eternal life. And yet, here's Jesus, well, he says, follow the rules. What is he doing here what tack is jesus taking here now what's fascinating about this next part is he begins to quote a number not all but a number of the ten commandments the decalogue the now remember for those of you who are just kind of new to this there are 613 laws prescribed for the nation of israel The Ten Commandments are only 10 of the 613 laws. Sometimes they're seen as the moral law, although that many of them revolved around morality. There was civil law, and there was ceremonial law, and there were all kinds of things that were happening as it related to the law. But Jesus went straight to the Ten Commandments. Now, what I want to point out to you, and some of you who are Bible students, maybe this will be a new way to think about this. He doesn't start with the first one, he doesn't start with the second one, he doesn't start with the third one, and he doesn't start with the fourth one. If you know anything about the Ten Commandments, of the ten, the first four very much deal with our relationship with God, and then the next six deal with our our horizontal relationships. The first four dealing with our vertical relationship, and the next six deal with our relationships with one another. And he goes straight to the relationships with one another. He doesn't start with, you know, have no other gods before me or don't create idols or don't take my name in vain or don't profane the Sabbath, you know, honor the Sabbath. He doesn't start with those. I just want to point that out to you because it's very important if you want to understand what tack Jesus is taking in trying to describe how this man can inherit eternal life. Why would he give him the commandments? We'll see. And then he simply says, do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Don't bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. Now, there are many, even maybe within the sound of my voice today, there are many that could say, well, okay, check, all right, I'm pretty good there. I'm not maybe perfect, but I've never murdered anybody. And stealing is not like, not like a bank heist. It's not like I go into, you know, Walgreens in San Francisco and just start pulling stuff off the shelves and walking out in such a way that, you know, it's, it's not like I've ever done anything like that. And you can kind of, you, you might at least check, uh, yeah, okay, yeah, pretty much check, 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 check. And that's exactly what he did. And the ruler said in verse 21, he said, all these things I have kept from my youth, Now, I happen to believe in one of the other translations, one of the other gospels, it said that Jesus had a love for this man. And I have to believe this man tried hard. I have to believe this man might have even been considered in many circles to be guileless, a pretty good guy. What we would say is a good man. It's a good man. And he said, all these things I've kept. And then verse 22, and when Jesus heard this, he said to him, well, there's one thing you still lack. All right, I'm, I've got my check mark. I'm ready to check the box. Go ahead, give it to me. I'm, I'm five for five here. Come on, give it to me. All right, there's only one thing that you lack. Sell all that you possess. Now I want you to stop for a second. Everything? Everything? I will have no income streams? Zero? I mean, ha, I mean everything? Everything? sell everything? I, I I don't think the weight of that really hits us. To be, what you're asking me to do is to be put out on the streets, to walk around, be a beggar. I mean, what is this kind of, what kind of request is this really? And so I think we've been able to distance ourselves in some ways from this because, well, I go to church and I see people drive up in cars. So at least I'm at least it's kind of like being in a herd. You know what I mean? At least if we're all going to go off a cliff, I'm going off, well, I'm even going off with Pastor Jeff because I saw him drive up in a car, drive, drive up in a car and he hadn't sold all that he, he possessed, but they were uncomfortable with it. What, what is Jesus doing here? It's a great question. And then I want you to distribute it to the poor, and you're going to have great treasure in heaven. And then come and follow me. What would your response be to that if you were to meet Jesus today and you were walking out to your car and you had a, not a road to Damascus, but a a pathway at UCR to your car kind of experience. Maybe you were blinded and you had an encounter with a risen Jesus and, and he said this very thing. Here's what I want you to do, Jeff. I want you to sell everything you got. I want it. I want you to make sure that somebody's able to distribute that to the poor. And I know you can't see, but I'm going to take your hand and you're going to follow me. What would that be like? What would that feel like? Of course, when he heard these things, he became incredibly sad. And why? Because he was extremely rich. Some people on the face of the planet, that would be a hand up. You do have to understand that. I mean, you see the, some of the wars that are breaking out in the Sudan, some of the internal strife. I think you can see that on the news. I even looked at an article this morning, and things were going up in flames. There was some real battling going on in the Sudan. There are many people within the Sudan on the conf- continent of Africa who might say, Really? I don't have anything. It's not hard for me to sell everything when I don't really have anything. And so to follow seems easier. It seems like a step up. I'm being invited to go with this guy, and maybe he can provide for me. But then the idea that I would in some way have to go down to to make a sacrifice, that's more difficult. And the more wealthy you become, the more more accustomed to the, the niceties of life you become, the more options you have available to you. I mean, it's just true. And it never, never condemn somebody who is extremely wealthy for some of the decisions they make. They have options that you may never have. It's, it gets harder and harder the more wealthy you become. And this, and this man was evidently extreme. It doesn't say that he was just wealthy. It says that he was extremely wealthy. And Jesus looked at him and said how hard it is for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Many have set, suggested, some don't agree, but many have suggested the eye of the needle may have been the entry gate into the city and that the camel would have to really get down on its knees to be able to enter the city. And that's the picture that he gave. Many will have heard of that, that understanding. And, and they who heard it said, <laughs> well, who can be saved? I mean this is impossible. I mean, this is ridiculous. Everything distributed to the poor and be out on the streets. Who's going to go for this message? Jesus, don't you understand this is a hard enough message as it is. Now, to add this caveat on, I mean, what are you saying? And he said, well, the things that are impossible with people, well, they are possible with God. And I want to add these last few verses. We'll look at, look at them at the end this morning. And Peter said, here comes old Peter. He says, behold, we have left our homes. We've left everything and followed you. Rawr. We've done it. We, we did that. We, we dropped our nets. And we, look what we've done. Look, we're those people. We're the, we're the few. We're the proud. We're the, we're the Marines. No, we're the, we're the disciples. We've done that exactly what we've done Lord you must be proud of us now he is and he said truly I say to you there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times as much now catch this at this time both now on the earth in this life and in the age to come eternal life He doesn't condemn him for that he said you're right peter you've made a good decision you followed me i asked you to drop your nets you chose to follow me and you're going to receive blessings in this life but boy not only that it's going to extend on beyond your last breath on into all of eternity this is an incredible what a great decision you have made peter he commends him for this understanding and that is a right a right understanding It begs the question what tack is Jesus using here does this apply to me must we all relinquish everything in our current possession and be out on the streets because Jesus is not physically walking around on the earth where I can physically literally go I'm with him and I follow him I cannot literally in a physical body follow a physical Jesus But I can follow Jesus still. And there are a number of things that emerge here. Right off the bat, what we have to understand is that the question is so flawed. And it's flawed on three different areas. The question that he asks is a good question to ask, but it's flawed. You say, well, how can can it be both flawed and be good? Because the heart of the question is, I want eternal life the question is flawed in the sense in how he puts it good teacher what shall well what shall i do to inherit eternal life so we want to look real quickly at these three facets and first of all why what is wrong with calling jesus good isn't he good wasn't he good of course he was good but what's happening in the mind of this ruler and Jesus is reading his mail he knows exactly what's going through his head hey we're good I'm good you're good isn't it good that we're all good people this is fantastic but now that we're good and you're telling us how to what shall I do so but then he adds one other thing teacher teacher good teacher what shall i do first of all let's deal with number one good what is what is going through his mind he already knew he knew he was going to check 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 he he, now he, he knew he wasn't the tax collector he knew he wasn't you know for women, a prostitute of some sort. He, he knew all these things. He had checked the boxes since he was young. He, he felt confident in his goodness, and he also felt confident in Jesus' goodness. But there's a problem here. And, and look, we've talked about this. We looked at it with the two debtors a few weeks ago. It almost seems like, Jeff, this seems like a, a similar message. It is. The gospel has to start on the right grounds otherwise look if you're trying to share the gospel with somebody you have someone in your family you have a friend you have a spouse whatever and you're trying to share this you cannot get beyond their own sense of their own righteousness their own goodness until that is first addressed everything else will come out wah 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 it just will you it, you cannot unless you can establish so fundamental flaw number one good good teacher Jesus was good yes he was good he was the unblemished lamb he was perfect he was the righteous the suffering righteous servant that would one day go to slaughter he's correct but his assumptions are predicated on something that are incorrect that Jesus was good as a well as a human being because he then calls him teacher what does the Bible say about our own righteousness? Well, Isaiah chapter twenty-four. Many of you will never even heard of this. Again, Israel's story is our story. Israel was given the law, and they were given the law, and they were getting a little bit of the law, and they failed. And they were getting a little more of the law, and then they failed. They get a little bit more of the law, and they failed. If you look back, and their their story, and they keep failing and failing and failing and failing. And even during the time of Isaiah, is 700 years after the time of Moses, Isaiah still looks around. He sees his nation, the called-out people, this this people that were supposed to be good. But here's what it says, Isaiah 24 verse 5: The earth is also polluted by its inhabitants. Polluted. They've transgressed laws. They've violated statutes. And they broke the everlasting covenant. Therefore, a curse devours the earth, and those who live in it are held. Guilty. See, people all the time ask if there's a good God, why do we have all this evil nonsense going on in the world? And how can God allow this? And how can God allow that? We have an answer to that. We have a worldview that understands that the earth is being polluted. And it's not just a natural cause, it's polluted in a moral sense and in a physiological sense as well it's polluted in any number of ways by who that the well the dark hearts of humanity it's the inhabitants it's it's me and see the problem with the rich young ruler is that he didn't understand that he was a cause of the very pollution in the earth that caused all the chaos he may not have been the primary cause. He may not have been, you know, someone who people could point to as a cause. He wasn't part of the Romans or complicit with the Romans or whatever it would have been during his time. It's the same Darren and I are day to Well, I'm not part of that political party, and I'm not part of that kind of racism, and I'm not part of that kind of nonsense, and I don't cheat on my tag. We do the same thing internally. We do the same exact thing not recognizing that we all contribute to the pollution of this earth. And until that's eradicated, we will never have a new heavens and a new earth. So again, like I said a couple of weeks ago, either God could just shake that little etch-a-sketch up and just start all over, he could do that, or he could, well, he could send his own right arm to make provision. That's a big problem. Good? That's a flawed question from his perspective, even though he was right. Second part of that is good teacher. Good teacher. See, what this young ruler's doing is he's just making a mess of this conversation and doesn't realize he's doing that. I had a situation a bunch of years back. Gosh, this has been over 30 years ago. And so I feel finally I'm able to share it with you because uh, many of the participants are, you know, maybe not gonna hear this. So there's a little inside conversation. So don't share this with anybody. If you're watching on TV, don't share with anybody. If you're watching on live stream, don't share with anybody. Don't, don't talk about, it. but no, it's a funny story. So I had, it was my first time ever to go to Europe. And uh, there was uh, a head of a huge car company and, and this and that, and he was there. And, and then I went over with one of my friends and they were in the process, he and his partner, of selling their company to this this huge uh, German car manufacturing company, and um, anyway, I didn't know anything. I didn't speak any German. It was my first trip over there, and we're at a big dinner party with uh, the head of this uh, major German auto production company, and uh, and these other two guys. And I had come in, and I and I picked up just you know on the magazine in the airport, and I saw pictures of the guys that I was standing with, and it was under uh, under the big thing, and it said "Kola One Ende. And I thought, oh man, I, that's great. And, and, and my friend had told me, not because I read it in the article, but he had told me that they were in the process of selling their, their company, it was a huge uh, company, to this car manufacturing company. And so we're all standing there, and there's the two guys, and, one, and the one, two of the partners, and then it's the guy. And, uh, and so here, here I am, and, and this is kind of like the rich young ruler. I'm just like, wah, 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 I'm just talking like this. And uh, I didn't know what that said. And I said, oh, I read the great article today. It was on the cover of one of their big, you know, like Fortune magazines or something over there, uh, what would be equivalent. And I said, oh, I saw, I saw the big, big article and congratulations to the, to the head of this German car company. Congratulations, I read the article, Kola Ona Ende. Now, what that means is money without end, in other words, they were condemning the stupidity of this guy buying this guy's company and the two owners of the company were standing right there. <laughs> And they were condemning this article like they just think they have money without end and they're willing to pay anything for a company that obviously is overvalued. I don't know what was going on. (laughs) And as soon as I said it, he went, oh well, and the two guys, the two guys that own the company, one of them was like, oh, he, was at, he had something to drink, he sped it out on the deal. He goes, no, 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 no. This is crazy American, has no idea what he's talking, no, 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 and he, because they had all obviously seen the article. My point in this story, other than I just wanted to say how silly, or, silly a guy I am, uh, is that I just didn't have any context I didn't understand what I was talking about. Things were coming out of my mouth, coming out of my mouth, and I just had no concept of what, what this engagement was like. I didn't understand the language. I didn't understand anything, and I was making ridiculous remarks that just didn't fit at all. That's exactly what this rich young ruler is doing, and he has no concept of it. Jesus loves this rich young ruler. He loves him but he has to set him straight. He has to set him straight. Was Jesus just a teacher? Of course not. Was he a teacher? One, the greatest of all time. Again, he didn't get it wrong. In its core, of teacher and good, of Jesus is both. But from his perspective, good teacher is where it stops and that's where it stops with many of you maybe within the sound of my voice you look back you don't really think and say well there was a guy jesus and obviously he you know helped the moral fabric of our country and i kind of believe maybe whether you're jewish or not jewish or uh, you know an american or you're an immigrant it's kind of everybody knows kind of judeo-christian ethic that kind of maybe kind of with some of the founding our founding fathers at least had an idea of a, a god and you know, and God we trust is on our money, and, and it must be good. Maybe it was inspired a little bit by the good teacher Jesus some 2,000 years ago, and Jesus is going, eh, no man is good. Why do you call me? Te-? What? Is Jesus, was Jesus a teacher? If we go back to the prophet Daniel about 600 years before the time of Jesus, he saw Jesus. Jesus would begin to, Refer TO HIMSELF AS THE SON OF MAN. I REFER TO THIS IN HERE IF YOU'RE A LONGTIME CHURCH OF THE RED DOOR PERSON. YOU'VE HEARD THIS OVER AND OVER. LET ME BE CLEAR. THIS WAS A PROPHECY POINTING TO JESUS. JESUS CLAIMED TO BE THIS PERSON THAT DANIEL SAW IN THIS VISION. LET ME READ IT TO YOU. DANIEL 7, VERSE 13. I KEPT LOOKING, THIS IS DANIEL, IN THE NIGHT VISIONS, AND BEHOLD, WITH THE CLOUDS OF HEAVEN, ONE LIKE A SON OF MAN Now, why did he say that? He looks like a guy, but he's clearly not a guy. He's a guy, but not a guy. That's what is going on in his mind. One like a son of man was coming, and he came up to the ancient of days, clearly a picture of the God of their forefathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the ancient of days, and this one looking like a son of man came, and he was presented before him and to him this son of man this guy that kind of wasn't a guy was given dominion and glory and a kingdom and that all the people and nations and men of every language that includes jews and gentiles thank god this is just not something it never was just about the jewish people The the Savior was gonna come through the Jewish people, but it was always, go back, and if you're Jewish and you're watching, you're listening, please understand. I beg you to consider this. God was always talking about us as non-Jews, and there was gonna be somebody like the Son of Man that was gonna be given a kingdom and glory and dominion and power, unbelievable authority, and all of us were included should we only choose to believe that we might serve him his dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed talk about eternal life that was the question he was asking I want to be part of a kingdom that's never destroyed. Now that's going to require something. It's going to require me to, for, to live eternally if I'm going to be part of a kingdom that's never destroyed. He's asking a good question. The foundation of the question well, the, the essence of the question is good, but his, the way in which he asks it is wrong. Good, He's not good. Teacher, Jesus is much more than a teacher. He looks like a guy, but all power and authority. And everything has been given over to Jesus in John chapter 20 we know this is the case you say well Jesus and I hear this all the time this was fabricated later Jesus didn't really claim to be God wrong 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 over and over wrong you haven't read what Jesus said about himself and this is a clear example in John chapter 20 verse 26 we hear of doubting Thomas right doubting Thomas and Eight days after his disciples were again inside was what we celebrated last week, Resurrection Sunday. And Thomas was with them. Jesus came, and the doors, having been shut, stood in their midst. What does that mean? He's got a physical body, but somehow he can come in and out of places. This is us. He was the head of Star Trek. I'm just telling you. And he stood in their midst. Peace be with you. And he said to Thomas, because he knew, Thomas, that I'm not going to believe unless I see and touch taste and feel. I got to have all my senses engaged. I'm not just going to believe some fabricated tale. I got to see it for myself. And Jesus turned to Thomas and said, reach here with your finger and see my hands and reach here with your hand and put it on my side. Why? Because he was pierced through and out poured water and blood, a, a symbol of our atonement for the blood how we actually have eternal life, and then our cleansing through the washing of the water with the Word and everything else that accompanies those two metaphors. Beautiful picture. And so he put his hand there, and he said, And do not be unbelieving, Thomas, but believing. And then Thomas answered and said, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said, No, 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 no. I'm not your God, and do not do that, Tom. That is not how Jesus responded. He allowed him. Bingo. Good teacher? Mm -mm. Lord? God? Now you're talking. And Jesus said to him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet, believe you're blessed here today. If you're believing into Jesus, and you've—I've ne- never seen a r- literal resurrected Jesus, not in a physical body—but I believe it more than I believe anything else in my life, and I'm blessed because of it. And lastly, this is such the most flawed. If it, if that good was flawed, teacher was flawed, but this is the most flawed. What shall, what shall I do? What shall I do? it assumed assumed he could do it it assumes he could check 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 so Jesus held out for the last part of this see what you don't I think what has happened here is he gave him something he knew that the rich young ruler would go check 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 now had he listened to Jesus and said Jesus teaching on murder and that if you've even called someone a fool you're guilty of murder in adultery even if you've looked on a woman to lust after her in your heart you're guilty of adultery. he didn't even go down that route he could have that he, he taught a lot around this area at that time and described to them the really core essence of the law but he didn't take that tap but he started with something he knew that well maybe this guy will go check 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 and then I think what he does is he circles back around and he goes you shall have no other god before me at that moment he is confronting his well his sense of rightness before god the fact that he and jesus well together and it great they were all such great people that whole construct in his mind is being blown up by jesus going back to first the first couple of commandments don't have any gods before me, and don't create idols. And I think what Jesus has done, knowing, he goes right back to the heart of it, and he says, well, and I think what I believe is that Jesus is making, there's an implicit statement. When he says, come, follow me, and obey what I'm saying, he's also making a claim to be God. Because I think he goes back to the first commandments that deal with man and God, and because Jesus is God, he then says, follow me, put down your old possessions, which is an idol in your heart and which is, or is a big God in your heart. I want you to lay it down and I want you to follow me. Now, that wouldn't have applied if he was just a teacher, would it? But he goes back to those first couple of commandments without specifically stating them. He says, go sell everything and follow me. and he can't do it. He just can't do it. You know, we somehow we have made the, the the challenge in preaching the gospel for you if you're sharing it with somebody is that it's the easiest thing ever to enter the eternal realm. Believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. In that sense, it seems so easy. But you have to get off on the right foot. And if you get off on the wrong foot, and you don't understand that Jesus is good, but He's much more, that He is a teacher, but that He's God, and that you're a million miles away, you'll ask the third question, which is, what shall I do? And you may never state it out loud, but many of you still walk under there, well, I hope I've done enough. I meet with people all the time, I just hope I've done enough. And I don't like reading this story about the rich young ruler because it always feels like I haven't done enough. That's why it freaks me out. And that's maybe, you know, why people, a lot of people last week, a little bit fewer people this week. I I thought about not putting, you know, the rich people go to heaven. And I I won't say who it is that said right when they came in, he said, you know, oh, the eye of the needle today. And they knew. They'd read ahead. And so... uh, (laughs) I won't give uh, Bob Warren's na- name away who had said that to me. But anyway, uh, <laughs> y- you do understand. It's like, and I was like, that's amazing that you even came, Bob. But it, we, it freaks us out. It's not about what you shall do. What if you tried really hard? Isaiah chapter 64, we know this. All of us have become like one who is unclean. This is the Isaiah including himself, who was a pretty righteous dude all of us have become unclean all of our righteous deeds are like a filthy garment all of us wither like a leaf our iniquities like the wind take us away every bit of it now if you compare yourself to your friend or to somebody that another race or another nation or another political party you might come out on top but boy when we compare ourselves to God filthy rags. Trash. Means nothing. Ephesians 2, same thing. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. I don't know how it could be more clear. Verse 8. It's by grace that you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. What shall I do, good teacher? What shall I do? Flaw, flawed, flawed just like my experience in Germany. I'm Just everything was wrong about that conversation. It was, it was based in ignorance on my part. It was just so flawed. But to me, I was being a good guy. I was trying to initiate some conversation, trying to encourage somebody for being on the cover of a magazine. Congratulations. Just crazy stuff. Well, why didn't Jesus just tell him to... Have faith and follow him. Why, didn't he, why did he have to add sell everything and all those kinds of things? Because he was addressing the idol in his heart. Jesus loved him so much that he had to address the idol. He was giving this young ruler who felt he, relative to his peers, was a good guy, not unlike the good rabbi teacher that he's talking, rabbi just means teacher, the rabbi that he's talking to. Isn't it great that we're a bunch of great people? Jesus gives him a glimpse into his self-absorbed life. I think that's what's going on here. Out of love, he continues to, the Holy Spirit does that to me all the time. He continue, even as a person who I know I'm saved. And I, but he just gives me little little glimpses into my self-absorbed life because he loves me and he doesn't want anything to get in between his presence and me. Do you understand that? If the highest thing, like we started with this morning, one day in his presence is better than a thousand years, if we really believe that, we do everything in our power to make sure that nothing came in between His glory and hearing His voice and following it, nothing. And yet, we can become pretty self-absorbed. We're not generous. We're not, it's not even talking about giving everything away. We're not even a generous people at times. Even people who follow Jesus, we're just not generous because we're afraid. We, don't, we lack trust. We don't understand. We, we still walk in kind of in darkness at times. And so the sanctification of a sermon like this and an encounter like you're having this morning might just push back the darkness a little bit. See, we can't just walk away and say, well, this has nothing to do with idolatry. It has a lot to do with idolatry, but it also has to do with the telling of the Gospel. I just know how Jesus works. I, I, Here is my, this is total Jeff Cranford commentary. I cannot prove this. I don't know. My sense is because I know how Jesus has operated as I watch His parable, parabolic teaching as we walk through this. I have watched over and over in my own life. Jesus, I believe, planted a time bomb. In the rich young ruler yes the story says he went away sad because he had a lot and the assumption then is that he never entered eternal life I don't know so much about that I I want to at least hope that that little time bomb of an idolatry time bomb which is what Jesus confronted him with went down into his soul and maybe later on down the road when he heard that Jesus had been resurrected and he began to understand the truth and the reality of the gospel and the story I, I, for some reason, I, I just believe that at the proper time, that time bomb just went and he goes, I'm not good. I can't do anything for my salvation. Jesus is not a teacher. He's way more than that. I should have followed him. What was I? I could have had a V8. What was I thinking? Uh, how? I want to believe that that time bomb went off. And that someday I'll get to sit down and maybe have a cappuccino and ask him well, what happened after that time bomb went off all oh, that encounter some of you had something planted way back in your life maybe you're watching maybe you went to church or you heard something about Jesus and you had that you just knew it was true but you've lived a life that's been a million miles away and now you're asking what shall I do the answer is Not the proper answer what did he do that will give me eternal life he died a brutal death on your behalf that as you choose to follow him and believe in him that's what you do you believe you believe upon the resurrected Jesus well, Jeff, I've lived decades running from God, and I think it's it's, past, it's too far down the road. I, I'm telling you right now, under the full authority of Scripture, it's never too late. Ever. Never. That's what he did. So the last few verses here <laughs> is that, how, you say, well, how, how do you get... In this life if you give everything away how do you get family and friends and things back you know some of you may have left family and or people cut off relationship with you when you started following Jesus and in their mind you're some whack job evangelical crazed lunatic blah 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 right-winger whatever they're painting you to be and you walked away from relationships But it says you'll get them back, not only in the life to come, but in this life. That's what the church is. It's giving you back family that maybe you've lost, friendships that may have been marred by your choosing to follow Jesus. You're giving them back. I've experienced that. Yeah, in some ways I chose to, you know, maybe go a a little different path as Jesus said, follow me and. And as I've always said I, I didn't do that I, I, I in some ways I, I did it because yes I'm a living sacrifice and I'll, I'll, I'll do this but in some ways I've been you know you know I feel like he's and then there, there's some sacrifice, but and it all comes back I've, I have been given so much in this life it's incredible family and friends and and places to stay if I had all the I mean if I had, so there's some people here this summer, we were making some travel arrangements, and oh, you stay with me, and our house is your house, and, and I'm gonna test that to see whether no, I'm just kidding, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, you know, and I'll be going to Fort Worth and staying with some friends, and I've been going up, we'll have a, some outreaches up in Idaho, I'll be staying with some friends, and different things like that, and it's like, you know, what's ours, is yours, and in a sense, it's come true. Friends that I, maybe lost, or coulda had, drinking buddies, or whatever. Yeah, I've lost some of those, but I've gained so much more. And then finally, you just have to understand—please understand—that there is nothing that is outside of the possibilities of God's intervention. This doesn't just go for wealthy people. This goes for grandchildren, or children, or family, or friends that don't, just seem a million miles away. They just don't understand. I wish—I get this all the time. I wish—I wish my kids could have heard this or. Would you talk to my, you know, whatever? I, I'm saying I, I would love to play a role sometime in, in, in some of your kids or grandkids or friends' lives. I, I, I love that. I mean, I love playing a role. But in the end, everything is possible in Christ, not just because of me or people in this church, because the Holy Spirit is working to convict them of sin and righteousness of judgment 24 hours a day. Keep praying. All things are possible. Why? Because we don't get in on our own anyway. You know, I've been praying lately. Uh, It just seems impossible that we're going to get in this building and funding and things like that. And, you know, obviously after COVID, our numbers have probably been reduced by 50%. I think most of you know that uh, since pre-COVID days. And it's been tough. And sometimes you just got to believe and, you know. And I just and sometimes you just don't want to believe. And uh, well, you know, maybe it's going to happen 50 years from now, I, I, long after I'm gone. I, you know, and no, I just I get out on my knees. I get out on my knees. And even this week, I'll, I'll tell you, we moved well over a million dollars closer to where we need, just in this week, just through prayer. I, I I I have seen so many things that were impossible become possible. And it includes salvation. So in closing, with this last song then I'll have, after the song, I'll have Paul come up and close us in prayer. It's only by the blood, right? It really is. It's what he did. What shall I do? Believe in what he did. So if there's a doing and believing's doing, then, then do your believing. But in terms of doing and obeying and laws and this and that, not for your salvation. That doesn't mean we're crazy people running around with our, you know immoral people how how would you follow Jesus and come follow him and live in a in a chaotic way it just wouldn't happen would it but you can follow him today but it's not he's he's God and he's a teacher but he oh he's a lot more than that and you're not good but but he's good and what he did for you on that cross 2000 years ago is all you need is his blood.